are listening to the Heartland Author Podcast. I am Aaron Apollo Camp. Happy Halloween to those who celebrate. For today's episode, I have some not scary content in the form of an interview with Lauka. Lauka is the author of the historical fiction novel Returning East. In addition to Returning East, Lauka is a micro story author. I'm here with Lauka. Did I pronounce that name correctly? Yes, you did. Perfect. Uh, who is the author of the book Returning East. Lauka, welcome to the Heartland Author Podcast. Thank you very much, Adam, for having me. Now, most of the guests for my podcast are from the United States, but you are not an American. And from what I understand, you are from Europe, correct? That's correct. Uh, And um, this is why I really appreciate this chance uh, to be on the podcast uh, so that I can reach uh, a wider audience. Uh, I am originally from Italy and I live in Berlin in Germany. And even though my mother tongue is not English, I do write in English. Okay, now feel free to tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay, thanks. Uh, so, as you said, my name is Lauka, which is basically a contraction of my, uh, uh, my first name and my family name. And um, I started my writing journey publishing micro stories on my website. That was May 2020. Uh, and uh, I started doing this because I wanted to build a writing practice. And uh, therefore, I committed myself to publish two micro stories per month, which I keep doing. Uh, and I just released a collection of micro stories for uh, the first two years that I wrote them. And uh, the book is available either for purchase or uh, to newsletters subscribers. And as you already mentioned, I am also the author of Returning East, which is uh, an historical novel. It is my first book, and I published it uh, um, in February 2022. Now, uh, without spoiling too much of Returning East, uh, what is that book about? Uh, Yes, the, the book is about a journey both uh, in the physical sense and in the more metaphorical sense. So the physical sense is uh, um, my protagonist, JJ, is uh, not by chance a Frenchman, and he travels uh, from uh, Marseille, from France, uh, to uh, reach Hong Kong and China in 1954. And uh, during the course of this journey, he, he wants to go to China to keep a promise that he made. But in the course of this journey, there are several things happening that he did not expect. Uh, and he had then uh, to face difficulties uh, that um, he never encountered before. And in the process, of course, he uh, discovers himself. Uh, he has to face uh, new situations. He has to find new resources within himself. And he has to face his past as well. So in this sense, it's um, an interior journey. Um, the interior journey is more, let's say, in the background of the book. Um, and the story, the real story, is full of action and lots of things happening. And it's quite fun and enjoyable to read. 
so I heard from my reviewers at least. <laughs> uh, East Asian culture, and specifically the culture of China and British colonial era Hong Kong, inspired returning East. How did you become interested in East Asian culture as a European, and have you ever been to any part of East Asia? Oh, definitely. Um, I think actually I studied very young to have an interest in China. Um, I, I studied languages in Italy, um, in what we call high school, um, which is, I think it's the school system is always a little bit different uh, from the US. And I always wanted to learn an extra European language. And from very early on, when I was 16, I think I decided I wanted to study Chinese. So I first start, started studying Chinese when, uh, as I said, I was 16. And I always said, one day I will go to China. And this happened uh, later on in 90, 1960, sorry, 1996 was the first time I went to China. And basically I spent the next uh, 10 years of my life uh, uh, busy with China. I was living there, I was working in China, studying Chinese. Um, later on, I also studied Chinese at the university. So this, this area, this culture um, is quite familiar to me. And this is why, in a way, I had to bring those experiences uh, on paper. And even though the story, the book is not my story, it's not autobiographical, of course, there are lots of things, lots of impressions that I had when I was living there that are also recorded in this book in one way or the other. Now, is uh, your book Returning East self-published or traditionally published? It is self-published. Um, I decided to go this uh, this way. Um, I did try to find an agency, but I didn't want to leave, you know, my book just in a drawer because, um, you know, it's very, it's not easy to find an agent if you're an unknown author, especially not even living in an English-speaking country. Um, and I must say that it was a very good choice because uh, it, I learned so much um, and it was uh, and it still is a very interesting journey. So definitely um, something to recommend, um, you know, to expand your life as well. Now, as you mentioned a little bit earlier on in, in uh, this interview, You've written numerous micro-stories, which are very short stories, not more than a few hundred words in length, and shorter than a typical short story, which is a couple thousand to a few thousand uh, mm -hmm. words in length, typically. How does writing micro-stories prepare you for writing a novel like Returning East? Uh, I think I mentioned that I wrote... Uh, and I still write micro stories in order to build this writing practice. So first of all, it taught me I really to have discipline, uh, to set uh, time aside to write and, uh, you know, to do it whether I had the inspiration or not. Because sometimes, you know, life is, gets so busy that when your writing slot comes, uh, you would rather do something else because it's more important. But um, once I commit in myself, then okay, I sit down and I write. Doesn't matter what it comes out. It can also it can always be edited, 
and uh, this is also a skill that then I, I could use when writing a novel because it's the same thing if you I committed myself to write this novel so I had a certain amount of words that I wanted to accomplish each week and uh, I made sure that I could do it and at the same time of course uh, writing micro stories uh, <clears throat> allows you to experiment with points of view with language uh, and it keeps your imagination alive so um, to me they are very helpful now this is a question I didn't have written down but uh, while I would consider micro stories to have uh, literary uh, value there might be people that don't see any literary value in micro stories and uh, how would you respond to someone who would say that uh, micro stories don't have literary value well if they wanted they can keep their opinion uh, that's uh, that's a free word and um, I'm sure there are people that will think that um, to me um, they, they can have value. I mean, it depends, of course, with which aim you write them and how you craft them. Um, but it's not easy to have a complete story, you know, within, you know, very short, uh, very few words, actually. It's quite challenging. Sometimes it's, uh, it's really more challenging than having a whole short story or a whole novel written. Um, then, as I said, it's up to everybody. To, to each of us has uh, the right to think whatever they want, whether they have uh, a literary value or not. Um, I think they do have uh, some some worth, definitely. And I I agree that uh, shorter forms of fiction can have a ton of uh, literary value. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what is your typical writing routine if you have one? Well, as I said, I usually schedule my writing time. I try to schedule uh, at least a couple of slots uh, of a couple of hours uh, per week. If I have to, if, if I want to write a novel or a longer piece, then it might be, uh, you know, I might um, have more slots. Usually my writing day is Tuesday because I do not work um, in an office uh, so I can stay at home and work on my projects. Um, and then usually when I finish writing a longer things like, uh, you know, a longer short story or um, in this case, of course, a, a novel, then I will put it aside for a while and write something else uh, before I go back and edit what I've written. Now, I uh, had a different question written down, but since you already answered this earlier on in the interview, oh. you uh, write in English even though English is not your uh, primary language or your mother tongue. And uh, let me try to think of the question I was going to ask, but I don't have it written yeah. down. Uh <laughs> Uh, how how did you learn how to uh, speak and write English? I studied English uh, in um, Italy in because as I mentioned before, I went to what we call a high school, which is from age 14 to age 18, 19. And I studied uh, English, German and French. 
and um, I leave I left Italy when I was 19 and I basically lived uh, more than half of my life by now um, living in a foreign country so not living in Italy therefore I often had to use English for you know every day's life and very often also for my work and especially when I was in China, for example, my Chinese at that time was not that good and I had no access to, to other books in Italian or French, uh, the languages that I could uh, read most easily. And I had to learn to read in English. So, um, of course, the more you read in a language, the more you assimilate the vocabulary. And, of course, I am aware that you know, I am not perfect, but to me, languages is um, are about communication, and um, and if I need the support of an English mother tongue for my books uh, for the editing, yes, that's that's a good solution for me. Yeah, and also, how easy was it for you to learn English as uh, someone who uh, whose mother tongue is Italian? Oh, it. English is not a difficult language uh, um, per se. I mean, comparing to other languages that I learned, uh, German is much more difficult. Uh, the grammar is, is, is a nightmare. Uh, Chinese grammar is easy, but learning how to write it and to read it is very challenging. So I think each language has its, its difficulties. I think English might be challenging if you really want to get to a point where you write perfectly, where you really have uh, uh, that high level of literature uh, kind of language, that that for sure is something that it's more challenging to reach uh, as a non-mother tongue. Yeah, and I'm surprised that uh, uh, you would uh, uh, find German to be harder to learn than English, given that English has a ton of uh, quirks to it. And German and English are in the same language family, Germanic. Yeah, German, the, the grammar is, uh, is difficult. And even though I've been living in Germany already for over 10 years, uh, and I use German for my work every day, um, I still do not consider myself uh, to be able to write a, a letter without any grammar mistakes. While in English, I can definitely write much better. And uh, I'm going to, since I haven't really asked a personal question yet in this interview, and this is the, uh, the final question I have written down, what is one interesting thing about you that most people don't know about? Oh, that most people don't know about. Oh, I usually talk about my interesting point. Why would I hide them, actually? Um, so let me think. Something that most people don't know about. That's a challenging question. Um, yeah, well, I am not religious and... Um, I, I am not a Christian or a Buddhist or whatever, but in my, at my, in my home, uh, I have a small altar to my father who uh, unfortunately departed um, in 2020 uh, with a small Buddha statue. And uh, 
so his presence uh, keeps me company here in the privacy of my home. Well, uh, your dad died the uh, same year uh, uh, my dad did, and uh, I'm an atheist who uh, keeps a Bible in my house. Okay, yeah. So there's a couple similarities yes. there. Yes, as long as uh, it brings comfort. Well, well, Laka, I thank you for appearing on the Heartland Author Podcast. I thank you for having me, Aaron. I thank you very much for your patience with all the technical problems that we had before the interview. You're welcome. I wish a great day. Lauka was a wonderful guest for our interview, and she referenced technical difficulties we had trying to get the interview recording set up at the end of the interview, so I'll briefly touch on that. It took us both several minutes to get through all sorts of audio issues before we were able to do the interview, but we got the issue sorted out. Before I sign off, I will acknowledge tragic news from South Korea. As of the recording of this segment, at least 154 people have been killed in a crowd crush during Saturday's Halloween celebration in the Aetawan neighborhood of Seoul, South Korea. The Heartland Author Podcast offers condolences to the families and loved ones of those who lost their lives in the tragedy. This is Aaron Apollo Camp reminding y'all to write your imagination. Bye for now. You can learn more about me and my book writing projects at camparenapollo.witsite.com forward slash author AAC. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at author AAC and on Instagram at AAC Scribe. Copyright 2022, Aaron Apollo Camp, all rights reserved. This podcast episode is intended for the private listening of our audience. Any reuse or retransmission of this podcast episode without the express written consent of the podcast host is prohibited, except under fair use guidelines. Royalty-free music and sound effects obtained from https colon forward slash forward slash www.zapsplat.com. <laughs>